Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our first reading today from the Book of Wisdom begins with this passage. Let me read it to you. Before the Lord, the whole universe is as a grain from a balance or a drop of morning dew come down upon the earth. But you have mercy on all, because you can do all things. For you love all things that are, and loathe nothing that you have made. You spare all things, because they are yours, O Lord, lover of souls. That, I think, is one of the most comforting and beautiful passages in the entire Bible. It's saying, look, before God, we're all nothing. I mean, we're all like little drops of dew before God. Yet, this great mystery that God loves each one of us, each little thing in the cosmos, the way a mother loves a child, the way an artist loves what he makes. Even if the mother or artist could despise their offspring, it's hard for us even to believe that, even if they could, God would never forget us. In fact, our very existence from moment to moment is a sign of sheerest love because God does not need the world or anything in it. And yet, here we are. It means we're being loved every moment into existence. Even the smallest of us, the least significant, even the greatest sinner among us is loved and pursued and sustained by God. Now, the church has arranged that reading from wisdom to illumine and interpret our gospel for today, which is that wonderful story from the 19th chapter of Luke, the story of Zacchaeus, the publican. Often these gospel stories are like little icons, holy pictures. They encapsulate in themselves the whole of the spiritual life, and they do so in this very beautiful literary and artistic way. This story is a prime example, I think, of this kind of biblical icon. Let's attend to it now in some detail, the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus, upon entering Jericho, passed through the city. Jericho. Now, it comes up frequently in the New Testament. And it's meant to call to mind the Jericho of the Old Testament. When the Israelites came out of Egypt and their long years of wandering, they enter the Promised Land, they have to conquer Jericho. So Joshua orders the blowing of the trumpets and the walls come down, the Israelites enter the city. Jericho, therefore, is symbolic of the place of sin, the place of dysfunction, what the church has to conquer on its journey to the Lord. So, Jesus, upon entering Jericho, passed through the city. This is what Jesus does. This is who he is. He's God's own self, come into the city of sin. You know, it's so easy, Christians, to fall into this trap. 
I'm a sinner. My life is going nowhere. I've done all these terrible things. And God is just sitting in judgment on me. It's not the way the true God operates. The true God in Christ comes into Jericho. He comes into our place. He comes right where we are to seek us out. But notice something, please. He's passing through the city. Never in the Bible does God impose himself on our freedom. Rather, from Adam and Eve on, human freedom is always consistently respected. Christ is among us, yes, even in Jericho. But he's passing through, meaning we have an opportunity to give our lives to him, and we better take it. Our freedom is respected. God means to engage it, so act. Now, there was a man there named Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector and a wealthy man. Every detail there is important. We know from numerous New Testament accounts what tax collector means. The tax collector was a bit like a collaborator in Nazi-occupied France. Someone who was working with, helping the oppressor. The tax collector would collect taxes for the Roman authorities. He was a Jew, but was working for the oppressor. Therefore, he was seen by his colleagues and his compatriots as just a lowlife. Now, this man, Zacchaeus, is not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. Therefore, he's particularly loathsome. Thirdly, not just a chief tax collector, he's a wealthy man, which means he's been at this game of bilking his own people for a long time. Here's someone who is despicable. To get the sense of it, I think today we'd have to say something like, he was a gangster. You know, he just kind of summed up a lot of the worst qualities we could imagine. That's old Zacchaeus. The kind of person that Jesus loves the kind of person Jesus seeks. When you're tempted to say, I'm a terrible sinner, God has nothing to do with me. Come on, come on. That's just repugnant to the whole message of the New Testament. Jesus loves and seeks out people like Zacchaeus. Now what does he do? He was trying to see what Jesus was like. I love that little phrase. He was trying to see what Jesus was like. We're all wired for God, as I've often said. We're destined for God. We're designed for God. We're hungry and thirsty for God. Therefore, even the worst among us, even the worst sinners, have within them this spark of the divine life, which is simply the desire for God. Many people even today, when they hear of Jesus, Maybe they, ah, Jesus, you know, well, who's he? And that's all that old religious business. But yet, yet, at some level, they're fascinated. At some level, they want to learn more. There are terrible sinners who will stay up late at night listening to a preacher on TV because they, they want to know about this Jesus. They're fascinated by him. There's an overtone here, I think, of Herod. Do you remember? King Herod who arrested John the Baptist. But yet he loved to listen to him as he preached, fascinated by him, asked questions about him. Well, that's Zacchaeus. Maybe you, listening to me, maybe you've been away from church forever. 
You know, maybe you feel you're sunk in the worst kinds of sin, but somewhere deep down in you, there's a fascination, there's a question, there's a hunger. Bring that out. <laughs> Bring that out. That's Zacchaeus's virtue. So he first ran on in front and then climbed a sycamore tree, which was along Jesus' route, in order to see him because he was small of stature. Imagine now Zacchaeus. He's a wealthy man, so I imagine him as you know, at least middle-aged. He's been at this for a while. Wealthy, probably wearing pretty fine clothes. This dignified, elegantly dressed, middle-aged man climbing a tree? I mean, it's just a weird picture, isn't it? You can imagine a little kid clambering up a tree. But here's this dignified, middle-aged guy climbing a tree to see Jesus. Christians, when you feel this connection to Jesus Christ, when you feel within you this hunger for connection to him, you will go to all extremes. You will go to great lengths. Think of those people who lowered the paralytic through the roof. Do you know? If you feel that your health is threatened, well, you'll act. You'll move. You feel you might lose your job. Well, you'll do almost anything to keep it. So here, Zacchaeus' great virtue is he's, he's hungry for the divine life. He senses it in Jesus, and so he goes to great extremes to see him. Do we have the same passion and enthusiasm in us? Are we allowing it to be awakened in us, the same desire to see Jesus Christ? So, Jesus comes to the spot. He looks up and says, Zacchaeus, hurry down. I mean to stay at your house today. There's the whole gospel. God is not playing games with us. He's not being coy with us. Respecting our freedom, yes, yes. He's not treating us like, like puppets. But God's business is in finding us. That's why he sent his son. God so loved the world, he sent his only son. There's nothing that exists that God is indifferent to. There's no human being that God is uninterested in. And so... Fellow sinners, when we show the least interest, boom, God responds. We show the least passion for him. We're overwhelmed with his passion for us. Jesus spots him up in the tree and says, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Right, right, hurry down. Don't wait. Don't dawdle. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off until tomorrow. A lot of us treat our religious life that way. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I know I should be better. I know I should give my life to the Lord. I know I should go to church. I, I, know, I, I know I should read the scripture. I know, but I'll, I'll get to it. You know, next month or next year or, or when, when my kids get to a certain age or, or when I'm through with school or, or whatever excuse it is. Come on, come on. Jesus says, hurry down. The time for decision is now. Don't miss it. The time to decide is now. Don't wait and procrastinate and make excuses. There's nothing more important than the divine life. Your job is nothing compared to that. Your family is nothing compared to that. You know, unless you love me more than your, your mother and father, your children, you're not worthy of me. The divine life is the most important thing. When you hear the call from Christ, Hurry down. 
hurry down, <laughs> move, act. And then this, of course. I mean to stay at your house today. Jesus means to move in, Christians. I mean, when you accept him, when he says come down and, and you say, all right, his purpose is not just to be a mildly interesting person for you to, to admire. His purpose is not for you just to look at him from a distance. His purpose is to move into your house. I mean, into your mind, into your will, into your soul, into your body, into your sexual life and your personal life and your public life and everything about you. I'm moving into the house and I'm taking over every room. Now, hey, that's not overbearing. Well, I'm sorry, that's the gospel. Christ wants to be Lord of your life. Dominus in the Latin. He wants to dominate you. Quite right. Quite right. And watch it. When you let him in, you're letting a fire in there. You're letting this force in that's not going to leave, you know, until he has come to be the Lord of your life. And that's the great good news of this story. Zacchaeus says yes, invites Jesus into his life. And then as we hear, his whole self is renovated. Listen, I'm going to give my belongings to the poor. If I've defrauded anyone the least, I'll pay him back fourfold. That's the way it works when you let Christ into your life. Everything is turned upside down and you now renovate yourself. You are renovated from the inside. Listen how it ends. Today salvations come to this house, says the Lord, for this is what it means to be a son of Abraham. I've come to search out and save what was lost. Salvations come to this house, that means to this soul. Salvation can come to your house if you're willing to allow Christ in. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.